This is Thinking About It. Welcome back. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Stan, a little while ago, you were reading an article in Christianity Today. You sent me a copy of it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, It kind of got me thinking about some of my own pastoral experiences with couples uh, in the church who have been affected by the trends in our society with respect to marriage. Uh, Couples are making a case now for uh, moving in together, making a commitment, uh, an engagement of some sorts, and saying, okay, it's enough that we're engaged. There's a ring on your finger. Uh, We'll move in, uh, and we'll celebrate the union in a ceremony down the road, big banquet, big party, but uh, effectively we're living together, and uh, this is something that is becoming more and more common with Christians. Let's think about this one. Well, it's really worth thinking about, Bob. I uh, Yeah, I mentioned this article, which I just saw in a recent uh, issue of CT. Um, starts out with an anecdote about... Uh, Chris Pratt, the well-known entertainer, and Katherine Schwarzenegger um, getting engaged and, and moving in. And then, and then Chris Pratt, who's, who's a bit of an evangelical entertainer. I don't, I don't know his story really well, but, but he makes a profession of faith. And, and they explain that they delayed this moving in until they were engaged because of their Christian commitment. Well, that, that's... That sounds pretty odd uh, to many of us that they would take engagement in our culture as as that kind of dividing line. But the article goes on to uh, talk about interviews with a variety of pastors in different kinds of evangelical church settings and and their experience of a, a growing number of people who would describe themselves as evangelical Christians who are supportive of the idea of cohabiting uh, before marriage after some level of commitment, uh, perhaps engagement or some kind of under uh, shared understanding that they're headed toward marriage. And it, it appears to happen for a variety of reasons. Um, we all understand that, I mean, the issue isn't are they living under the same roof as much as are they living in a sexual relationship outside marriage? And given, given the biblical view of marriage going right back to Genesis 2, where, where sex is about symbolizing the actual leaving and cleaving of these two to one another, and it's an openness to the children that sex creates, sex belongs in marriage. And, and the Bible from beginning to end affirms that. Um, so it's not just about technically being under the same roof, but we all know that when couples say we're moving in together, they don't simply mean mm-hmm. I'm living in one bedroom and you're mm-hmm. living in another and we're sharing the same house. It's not that. So it, it I mean, it's cause for concern, um, which raises lots of theological and practical questions what, yeah, what do you do you do you see this well just, this happening? just let me uh, what is marriage I, I tim lahey wrote a book years ago called the marriage act and he's speaking about sex oh i re- i remember the book right read it carefully yeah and it was the manual actually in my church for pre-marriage counseling if you can imagine i can but, imagine it but <laughs> but it it kind of 
created this idea that, okay, if you are sexually active with someone, you have created a one-flesh relationship, and maybe you're married and you don't know it. That was kind of the, the way that a lot of people took that, and so people like Chris Pratt are, in some sense, married. It just hasn't been solemnized or celebrated uh, down the road. So that's the kind of thinking here. When, at what point is a person married before God? Now, you were asking me a question. Sorry, I just wanted to get that well, off. Well, I was mic. just wondering if, if, if in your pastoral experience you sense any growing openness among the evangelical young adults you know to this idea of cohabiting before marriage. Uh, I'm dealing with newcomers who come into the church with this kind of worldview and dealing with them on that level. Um, we're we're dealing with young people who are leaving the church, right? And then when they leave the church, all uh, all all the rules are are broken anyway, and they begin to cohabitate and think differently about a lot of things. Right. But for young people who continue in the church, uh, who cooperate with the rules of the church, whether they're sexually active or not, I suspect that it's a lot more than I think. But we don't have members of our church with bare face saying, we're living together, what do you think about that? That's not happening. Right. and that's They'll leave the church before that happens. They, they will indeed. And, and maybe, maybe leave the church because they've opted for that kind of lifestyle and they understand the incongruity. In fact, the, the article in CT points out that if you move beyond people describing themselves as evangelical born-again persons... And you ask, okay, do they actually attend church with regularity? Mm-hmm. Have, have, they, have they made a profession mm-hmm. of commitment to the church and its tenets and, and its, its theological commitments? If they, if, they, if they have professed faith in that way and they're actually a part, functioning part of the church, this is not common. Not nearly as common. Like, but is Chris Pratt a member of a church, and what does this church think about this decision? I'd be interested. That doesn't show up in the article, unfortunately, so I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I know occasionally people will say, well, you know, we're married in God's sight in, in some way. I mean, it's pretty clear in the Bible that merely having sex doesn't make right. you married in God's sight. Um, it's, it's a sin, but it, but it, and it's designed to be the seal of the marital commitment. But to do it doesn't, doesn't mean it is the, the marital commitment, in spite of what people might have misinferred mm-hmm. from, from the title of Tim LaHaye's book mm-hmm. back in the 1970s. But, I, I mean, we understand. You and I would agree, I think, that, I mean, in the Bible, it's not like you have a kind of formal description of a marriage ceremony that says, now, okay, this is exactly how you have to do it. So I, t- I take it from that, that in different set, cultural settings, mm-hmm. different times and places, there are different ways in which people f- definitely say we're husband and wife. Well, in our culture, getting engaged is not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting engaged is not, it's not like a betrothal contract in the ancient world. There was a contract that would have to, you'd have to justify breaking it in some way. That's not what engagement means in our culture. Engagement says we intend to be married, but it doesn't say we're married. Right. So mm-hmm. people, you know, there are 
there are a variety of kinds of ceremonies that can be used. And if you go to City Hall and get married, I take it, if you declare your commitment as a marital covenant, you're married in God's sight as much as if you're married within the walls of a church right. building. Does it help us when we talk about marriage as not simply a relationship, which you have already, uh, but when we use the term covenant, marriage is a covenant, does that help us um, uh, putting marriage uh, on the map, as it were? This is At this moment, no, you are married when you enter into a covenant, because a covenant is a formal arrangement. Right. Is marriage a covenant? It's not described that way a lot of times in the Bible. Um, at least once in the prophets, I think you you have a reference to, to the idea, to the term of covenant. Mm-hmm. But clearly it is about a promise that says, I commit myself to you. I, I give my, my body to, uh, to meet your needs, 1 Corinthians 7. Um, everything about it is described in, in, in covenant terms, even if the word covenant as such doesn't appear there. And but how, how but it's clearly definite. It's clearly people can be recognized as husband and wife. It's not, it's not just, oh, they're living under the same roof, so they must be husband and wife. It's not quite that simple. But it seems to me if, if we use the covenant uh, language, then you you can't just go behind the uh, the billboard and say we're, we're this is a covenant we're married let's have sex. It seems to me that you've got to involve people in the community. There has to be witnesses, some kind of formal declaration, signatures, because a covenant implies all that. And you're not married until you have submitted to that kind of contract with 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 your church or your society. Yeah, agreed. And I think that that's a crucial point that we need to be talking about, need, need to be teaching. Um, the, article, the article makes the point that for a lot of these people, the reason why they move into the cohabitation before marriage is for economic reasons. And, and they're saying, you know, we can't afford a wedding in the way it's normally done. So... So we're, we're going to move in and head toward that, and down the road, then we'll have the formal celebration. Well, you can separate that formal covenant commitment from, from the banquet hall and, and the expensive reception. Okay, so we talked about this before. What, why can't we say to a couple who really loves God, you know, but they're engaged, and they want to get their degree, and a lot of parents would say, get your degree first, get your schooling first, and then get married. So why wouldn't we say to a young couple, if you really love God, you're entering into this five-year engagement period, um, be pure? Well, we can say it, and, and sometimes they achieve that. But I, I think it's fair to argue that when delaying marriage until, say, the late 20s or 30 and saying, you know, you've you got to get all your education, you've got to get into a career, save some money, get established, and, and to say, but you can, you can follow normal Western dating practices between now and then. Mm-hmm. 
it's it flies in the face of reality the way god has made us as sexual beings it's simply it it's unrealistic now sometimes we achieve uh, those unrealistic expectations and and people do remain pure i'm not saying that doesn't happen but i i think there's a good case to be made for saying let's let's find a way to enable marriage to happen by say the early 20s at a time when Physically, physiologically, sexually, that's that's our prime. And and frankly, couples, I think you and I can both bear witness the fact that married couples grow together. They don't grow apart. They They can grow grow together. They can grow together. Uh, My wife and I can look back on some, you know, some strange and hard times we had early on. Um, I was... One month short of being 22, my wife had just turned 22 when we got married. I was six days after my university graduation Mm -hmm. before heading off to seminary. Um, It can work when when you marry younger. In fact, if you put it off and put it off, you're creating all kinds of opportunity for sexual sin Mm -hmm. and guilt. And and frankly, you're also both becoming much more independent. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's that's healthy in the long run. So now there are a number of things we'd have to do to create a Christian counterculture about about marriage that would enable younger marriage, but I think it could be done. Part of it would be parents maybe saying to their sons and daughters who are in university and frankly are ready to be married, I've been willing to help you financially, as a single student, will help you financially as a married student. There are ways to make it happen. Like live in the basement, that kind of thing? Like for live a while? in the basement. That would be one part. You realize of that. that is very countercultural. That is, also, that is mocked in our society. I know it is, but the church is called to be a distinct society, a holy nation, distinct people. Salt of the earth, distinct from the wider world. I I think, frankly, this is one area where we have all kinds of opportunity to be a good kind of counterculture. And and part of that, I think, is getting rid of the idea that to have a wedding, you have to have this massively expensive celebration. You know, COVID has has put that out there. Oh I, yeah, I've got, I've, there are three couples in this church. That I married one in the one in the, uh, the the foyer of the church, just with a couple of witnesses. One in my office, and another couple in the woods. And the idea was, they said, let's let's get the legal part done, and then we'll have our big party later on when COVID is over. I thought that's very interesting. That was simple. The most simple wedding I've ever done was in the woods. A couple of people there, and uh, but they're married. And then they celebrated later. And I, I agree with you. It, this We've seen this work. And it may be the answer to couples who, um, are, who are given, who give opportunity for, to the flesh by prolonging uh, the wedding when they can be married legally and enjoy the privileges of a legitimate marriage and celebrate it later. Right. It's a way of saying what's important is the marriage, not the wedding. Mm-hmm. What's important is your commitment and making that definite, sealing it in a covenant ceremony of some sort, ratifying it with, with the wider society. And you can, you can have whatever kind of celebration you want 
down the road. So you you can imagine on a Sunday morning we announce in the church family that, oh, this week so-and-so had a covenant of marriage in Pastor Bob's office. They are legally married. Pray for them. Ceremony is somewhere. The celebration is somewhere down the line, but you just need to know that this has happened. Stan, uh, we are on the radio now, and I'm getting fingers telling me that we're out of time, so we have to say goodbye. Okay, That's, we'll, we'll do we what gotta, we have to we do. got to get a better way to end this thing. Thanks for listening to us. God bless you. Keep on thinking.